Hey, folks, Tom and Keith thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunities. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be in there preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley sausage for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Greetings once again. We have reached that point. We have returned to the airwaves. We are as mediocre and average as ever. Tom Block alongside Keith Jones. KJ. We have come up from our low or have we come down from our high? We have managed to set the bar at a reasonable height that we can sometimes clear Skip each week. over. Yes, exactly. How you doing, KJ? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. All things considered. Well, you know, I guess I had someone stop me earlier this week and say that I was very diplomatic in some of my comments over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's not a word we use a lot in Wildwood. And uh, I, I don't necessarily try to be diplomatic. Uh, I just, when I'm down in the dumps, I'm uh, not very happy. And when I'm okay like today, I'm just kind of optimistic. And I just remain kind of optimistic. Well, we can have the same conversation that we've had sort of for this first segment for the last several weeks. But I feel like we've been there, done that. I don't know how to advance the conversation. I think at this point, people have more theories than there are for the JFK assassination in terms of you can point a thousand different ways. Many folks point at the coaching. Uh, we've talked about the players have to have a decent amount of accountability because at the end of the day, it isn't rocket science, though sometimes it looks that way. Yep. Uh, and the, And the truth remains, especially when you look at the offense now, the offense – has been without its quarterback. It's now lost its starting running back. It's lost one of its best offensive linemen and and two the two, number two and three receiver. Right, and the number and one the number one's hurt, and the number one's been hurt. So I mean, that there's a reason the offense hasn't been scoring. How about we the, go down this lane? How about we go down this you, lane? How about you drive? Why don't you drive? The no, show? I don't want to drive. <laughs> how about we go down this lane? I told the Tallahassee Quarterback Club last night, and if you haven't joined, uh, check them out at TallahasseeQBClub.com. I believe it is. Uh, Lee Fleming, by the way, from ESPN, spoke last night. Fascinating talk about game day and that type of thing. Uh, I made the, I made two points last night. Number one, that was uh, a big night for you. Yeah, man. Uh, number one, at least we're not Arkansas or Tennessee. And if you look at what's happened to those two programs, both premier programs in the SEC, I mean, they got big issues. And secondly, you hate, hate to say this, hate to say this, to hesitate to even bring it up. But, you know, Notre Dame was 4-8 and eight last year, 4-8, and eight, and they now sit at number nine in the country. So these fluctuations, maybe it's the new norm. Could be. I mean – You'd hate to be Arkansas and Tennessee at any point. But I think there is the fear that that's where you're going. The fear related to four and eight is that this becomes what Florida's been in for the last several years. Correct. Clearly, though, you can make some tweaks, you can adjust, and you can come out on the other side. The talent the talent cupboard is not bare. The well has not run dry at Florida State. And, and so, the coaches have not forgotten how to coach. And the fans have not forgotten how to cheer. Uh, and this is Florida State. Uh, but... You know, when you sit at two and four, everything becomes dark and shaded and conspiracy theories. And I mean, it's just, you know, as they say, wins would solve this. If Florida State was sitting four and two, five and one, we would be having conversations, but they would be well, different. Let, let's have a couple of other conversations then. First of all, related to James Blackman, it is a very fine line. And Jimbo has been, to his credit, he's been careful and he's done a good job with Blackman. But you can take a talented kid 
and ruin him his freshman year. And I'm worried about the fumble. I am and that, really worried about that, 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 that fumble. Is, that is why I'm bringing this up, because because if you look at what he's done, we've seen a little bit of progression from Blackman each week. We've also seen, you know, he started throwing two interceptions a week, even though one out of the two invariably is based on a receiver not turning the right way. Or him getting hit. Or him getting hit. Um, so I'm not down on Blackman. No, not at all. But I am concerned when you have a game like that, that Florida State is basically three handoffs and kick an extra point length field goal away from winning it and you make that mistake and be aware that that was absolutely the quarterback's mistake that was not a read that was not a read that was a handoff it was a handoff of that he poor technique he just messed up a handoff he makes 200 times he had made they had executed the same play a couple of times on that drive several times during the game i worried that his psyche is as thin as he is because and i don't know him at all but he's 18, and he's a freshman in college, and freshmen in college that are 18 tend to have a psyche that's pretty thin. And by all accounts, up until now, he has handled everything remarkably. But the thing you worry about with youngsters is not that they progressively go down. It's that they fall off the cliff, and that's why I'm worried. If, that, if he blames himself for this loss because he laid that ball on the ground and he dwells on that, it's not going to be a progressive negative. He's going to fall off the cliff. Right. And that is exactly a worry. And, and Jimbo has already talked about it. He addressed it in his Monday press conference. It's a slippery slope that you've got to pay well, attention just to. just go back two or three weeks ago when people were, I guess it was after the Miami game because he started slow, finished great, and there was school of thought was, oh, we got to let the guy just throw, throw, throw. Well, he's thrown a little bit more, and he's thrown a few more interceptions now, you know. So uh, you let him throw, 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 and you end up with four or five interceptions. That psyche gets derailed, too. No question. So, uh, it's on the coaches. It's on his teammates in particular to pick him up. Now, he is well-liked uh, by his teammates, and I think that will help. He's been vocal. He's been embraced. But I do worry about that. Another storyline for this week, and this is a big one with uh, Jacques Patrick out, and which is a shame because he was running tough, really tough this year, uh, and I thought he'd done a good job. The storyline becomes Cam Akers now, who people have been clamoring to see. They want to see him be the number one tailback. We've seen definite progression. Uh, you know, he went three games and all of a sudden the light went on and he stopped running east-west. And now when he's surrounded, he just darts through and he gets three or four yards. He's got a couple hundred-yard games. Now he's going to get, what would you say? And we'll ask Tim this as well. I'll call it the lion's share. I would think it's going to at least go from a half-half with he and Patrick to about a two-thirds, one-third with he and Rasul. I have two words. Pass pro. If you look at what Boston College does, they bring pressure defensively. And that's the one area, despite all of Jimbo's uh, protestations to the contrary, that freshmen and even sophomores struggle with. And now you got to protect a freshman with a freshman. If I'm Boston College, if I was going, if my game plan was to blitz 50% of the time, I'm now planning on blitzing 75% of the time. I'm not worried about Cam's running. I think that light, as you have accurately talked about, has turned on, and he'll get better as he gets more experience. I'm worried about the pass protection. That becomes my concern when you got a freshman quarterback and a freshman running back. That was your concern from the get-go. Also, it's a valid point. Landry is a beast as a defensive end. Well, that's going to give Florida State all kinds. They got of a fits. couple of linebackers that that will make you think they're you know of the same quality in terms of you know talent what the, you know what they as anything have, florida state has. and they lost a couple of guys defensively for the year just a couple of weeks ago this is what boston college has right now that florida state doesn't have they have confidence they have belief they beat louisville in overtime they carried it over into whipping a virginia team that's playing better i think they've scored 40 florida state last two florida state has doubt they get to the end of the game. They're looking at the clock just like fans are. They have doubt. It's human nature. No matter how much the coaches work with them about it, Florida State needs and, – and it's it's happened a time or two. I mean, Tate made the catch, and they got to stop against Wake Forest. They got a big drive and got a win against Duke. But against the bigger-name opponents, it hasn't happened. Now, BC doesn't – BC's probably in between, truthfully, between pedigree and talent level and all that but, sort of thing. But, but although those young kids won't necessarily remember it, a very tough place for Florida State to play historically. And, and, you know, we talk about going to Boston. It's not Boston. It's Chestnut Hill. We don't have much luck in Chestnut Hill. Save that <laughs> one time we beat Matt, Matt uh, Ryan when they were number two in the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of years ago up there, I mean, it was a struggle. And then Jalen Ramsey returned a fumble to make it 14 nothing. I think, was the final score, whatever it was. But the offense – 
uh, couldn't get out of its way that game against this defense. So it's going to be a struggle. It is going to be a struggle. Those are some of the uh, the baseline talking points. It's ACC Operation Basketball today, which means that it's Basketball Media Day, if we put that uh, in English. And uh, we'll talk with uh, Associate Head Coach Stan Jones from the Florida State men's basketball team a little bit later on. But immediately, upon the return, do not touch that dial. Do not uh, adjust your iPhone if you're listening via podcast. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, will stroll to the plate from the batter from the on-deck circle right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. I We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you. And as we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I'll remind you that the Earl Bacon Agency ensures your future together online at earlbacon.com. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld joins us. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How about you? Did you like the music? We had to fire up some Boston. Yeah, that makes sense. That's you remember good. Marianne? She used to be a beauty, didn't she? She looked great, and uh, and then the sun went away. It's been a little rough. It's been a little rough <laughs> late around here, hasn't it? Tim, uh, Keith, and I had our therapy session in the first ten minutes. It actually was pretty good. We're, we, uh, you know, we're we're doing all right. How you holding up? Everything good? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Uh, looking forward to getting up to Boston and and you know getting after some games that I think Florida State has a chance maybe to turn some things around and and, and put a different tone on this season. And why do you expect or suspect that there'll be a turnaround this week? Well, it's not necessarily that uh, that I feel super strongly either way. I just think it's a good opportunity to go on the road. Florida State's played pretty well on the road. Uh, Boston College, like they obviously are playing pretty well lately. Uh, I don't know what alien form has has come and taken form of the uh, the Boston College offense, but uh, you know I still think it's a, it's a game that the Florida State has probably talent edges at just about every position on the field, except maybe uh, Harold Landry, who we all know one of the best defensive ends in the country. Uh, and then if, uh, if Florida State plays up to their capabilities, uh, they should be just fine. You you do know we're going to Chestnut Hill, right? Uh, wait, what? Yes, yes, I know. All right. Uh, so keep, two things Keith and I were talking about in the first segment. One is we're worried about the psyche of James Blackman in light of the way last week unfolded. Should we be concerned? Do you have? I know you can't speak to him uh, since he's a freshman, but but what's your thought about you know how he's holding up? Yeah, it's a really good question uh, and probably an important one too, as far as the rest of the season is concerned. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's a, a psyche issue so much as just I mean the guy's a freshman, right? Uh, you know, we expected there to be some growing pains, especially for a freshman that you weren't planning on having start at this stage of his career. Um, so, you know, for to see him, you know, go through some of the things he's gone through with the interceptions and the fumbles, um, you know, I, I guess the question is, what, you know, what were his expectations for himself? I know that I'm sure he wasn't planning on, on throwing those interceptions or fumbling that ball away, but, you know, I think if you're, if you're his coaches, if you're, if you're Jimbo, if you're Randy Sanders, go back to him and say, listen, you know, you're our guy. We understand, you know, where you're at in your development, and we still believe in you. And, and, and you know, we've seen what you can do. Let's focus on that and, and move on from from the uh, from the missteps. Because again, with a true freshman, and don't forget, you know, there's a you're, you're you're relying on a true freshman quarterback, and, and now especially a true freshman running back. Um, these types of things that are going to happen. I think you sort of have to you know, process them, evaluate, look at why they happen, and try to, to minimize what happened, and, and otherwise not get too deep into your own head. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, it still sounds like it, there's issues and problems, and of course I'll exasperate those by saying you know, you've lost an offensive lineman, two of your other offensive linemen are playing hurt, your number one receiver's got a separated shoulder, number two and three receivers are out. Uh, having said all that, my biggest concern, I expressed it to Tom in the first segment, is Boston College likes to blitz, and now you've got a freshman running back that's got to pick up pass pro. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's going to be a going to be an issue. And yeah, like you mentioned, man, you know, some of the stuff that this team has gone through uh, over the the course of the season, it, it's almost it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite Bobby Bowden sayings. Which uh, he was asked about something like this, he said, "Well, you know, 
when it rains, it snows. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> don't say that as we're going to Chestnut Hill, Tim, because that's, uh, that's a true statement. We have not looked at the weather forecast. When it rains, it does snow there. Bad. I think it's going to be pretty mild. But uh, Yeah, those but, are yeah. famous last words. Every time, well, right. it's not going to be too bad. And then a front shifts and it's cold and I'm buying another jacket. But, uh, but to your point, Keith, you know, I wonder if, uh, if, if Florida State might lean a little more heavily on, uh, on Jonathan Bickers. Uh, in that regard, as far as picking up some of the those blitzes and, and pass rushes, and you might see Florida State run a few more sets with with Jonathan Bickers in the backfield, uh, because you know, as far as I can tell, he's been really, really good. A pretty pleasant surprise uh, in that fullback role, uh, and and probably at this point, your most reliable guy when it comes to pass protection in the backfield. So uh, maybe that's something they can do to mitigate that. Uh, and otherwise, you know, maybe try to drop some routes to get the ball out of James Blackman's hands pretty quickly, and, and try to neutralize that pass rush as best you can. But look, I mean. Uh, you know, Harold Landry is, is fantastic. He had two sacks against FSU last year. Uh, they're going to try to get after James Blackman. Uh, and, you know, to some degree, I think that, you know, like a guy like Harold Landry, you're not going to shut him down completely, I don't think. He's going to get his. So it's just a matter of trying to mitigate it as best you can and, and trying to, you know, call your offense in a way that will neutralize that. And what's happened to the Boston College offense? What, over, oh my 40, gosh. over 40 points last two ball games? First time they've done that since 2002. Never done it as a member of the ACC. And that, I, I, don't, I don't even know. It's... It, Completely defies all logic, and I was talking about this with a colleague earlier uh, today. It's a, it makes analyzing this game really, really hard because you know everything we saw up until that Louisville game suggested this was the same Boston College that you've been familiar with for the last ten or fifteen years. You sort of know what you're going to get with them. Uh, now, I mean, you have no idea. They have a, a talented freshman quarterback, a talented freshman running back, a talented freshman receiver. Uh, they put up a thousand yards of offense in the last two games and are scoring you know forty points per game against ACC opponents. So. Uh, if they're going to do that again, I mean, where, where did that even come from? Uh, it makes it really difficult to kind of you know, get a feel for, for what's coming. But, but one thing you can know for sure is, is they're definitely feeling confident. Uh, they definitely believe that they can move the ball and score some points. And I think when they look at, at Florida State on film and, and see the kind of season they're having, if you're, if you're Boston College, you have to think that you have a bit of an opportunity here to sort of make a, an even bigger statement on a national stage. Well, and Tom made that comment earlier. Uh, this is a BC team playing with confidence and a Florida State team is playing with doubt. It's a big difference. Yeah, it, it certainly could be. And, and you know, I, I think uh, when you look at the, the game on Friday, there's probably going to be a pretty big crowd. It's put BC's first home game since going on this this run of, of points scored. Uh, it's the the red bandana game, which uh, which BC always does every year to, to honor the BC alum who, uh, who who saved so many people on September 11th. Uh, it's going to be a full house, an emotional crowd. Uh, it's going to be a difficult road atmosphere for Florida State. Probably difficult, more difficult than than anybody would have expected. Uh, when the schedule was announced uh, back in February. And again, I, I think we're probably kind of making it sound like it's uh, maybe a little bit more than it is. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be a challenge, but, uh, you know, it's, it's also something that, you know, Florida State does have reasons that they can expect to win, I think. Well, and you know what else, Tim? It's ACC Basketball Media Day, so let's talk Florida State hoops. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you what, go. What, what do you think? The, uh, the preseason picks will come out tomorrow. And uh, this is not part of rapid fire. I'm just putting you on the spot right here. Florida State will be predicted to finish where in the league? Probably somewhere between eight and ten, I would guess. Uh, I think that's kind of what they're expecting too. Uh, probably maybe maybe even nine and ten somewhere in that range. Uh, which you know, I I think they probably my my own guess is they'll finish better than that. But I think if you're doing the voting and you're looking at sort of the the cheat sheets and you see the Florida State lost Dwayne Bacon, Jonathan Isaac, and Xavier Tan Mays. Uh, it's, it's a defensible thought to think that that team's going to take a step backward, assuming you don't cover them all that closely. Uh, I think Florida State's going to have a lot of contributors that uh, that you know you're not all that familiar with, or that the national media, ACC media, isn't all that familiar with. So that's kind of where I expect to be in that range. And I and I think the the, the staff, the program, they're, they're kind of okay with that. You know, I think they like to be, to be able to play that card when they can. They, they like the under the radar role. Absolutely, absolutely. They've always thrived under it, and uh, they, they honestly they did it last year, even with the, some of the guys they had. All right, well, we're going to have Stan Jones on in just a little bit. We'll tell him exactly what you said, and uh, okay. you can expect to hear from him after that. But let's I'm go sure ahead. I will. Let's grade your test from last week. This was a rapid-fire Louisville Week edition. Number of touchdowns for Lamar Jackson, rushing and passing. Over-under is three and a half. Where are you going? Over. TD catches for Auden Tate. The over-under is at a half. Over. Will FSU score over 30 points? Yes. The total is 59 and a half, over or under? Over. Number of Louisville defenders that are trucked by Cam Akers. Over uh, or under at one and a half? Under. Asking for more than one of those a game is pretty tough. 
Timeout's taken because someone's not lined up right. Offense, defense, or special teams. Over-under's one and a half. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going the under. Will Derwin James have an INT or a sack? No. Aguayo's made 11 straight field goals. Will he miss one this week? Nah, man. He's out in. Will there be a new punt returner for FSU? No. There's a parachute jump before the game, Tim. Number of jumpers who hit the Seminole Head logo this week? One. And most importantly, wins for FSU this Saturday over under a half. I got a good feeling about this, and I'll take the over. Wow, that was a rough week. That about uh, sums up the last couple minutes of that game, Tim. I would like to just say that the parachute jumper question I don't think is fair because it turned out that they weren't actually aiming for the Seminole Head. That well, w- it doesn't matter. That wasn't the question. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I don't know. I think there are some assumptions being made there that I don't necessarily agree I, with. I, let's, well, let's move on. I, I do want to say that we gave you credit uh, for Cam Akers being under one and a half. Only because we couldn't remember anybody he trucked. Dur- Derwin did have a half sack. We gave you credit anyway, even though you said no sacks. I think that's, uh, I think that's fair. All right, all right. And it was, the vi- it was the video replay review that got you on the parachute jump because the first guy was was nowhere close. It looked like he intended to miss the Seminole head. The next guy was maybe one step away. But upon further review, Jeff Flanagan's crew looked at it one more time and uh, deemed that he did not hit the target. So there yeah, you go. I, I like it. I like it. Well, hey. All right. You win some, you lose some. Well, you know what we're going to do with that Louisville game? We're just going to rip it up, and we're going to turn the page, and we're going to get ready for Boston College Week. So here we go. You ready, Tim? I'm ready. All right. Over under 39.5 points for Boston College this week. Under. Number of bowls of clam chowder that Keith Jones will eat this week. Over or under 1.5? Over. Always Easy. a good bet. Yeah, eating and KJ go over. Uh, the size of the lobster KJ will order tomorrow night at dinner. The over oh, under. Gosh. The over under is two pounds. Over, I hope. All right. Uh... Number of carries for Cam Akers now that uh, Jacques Patrick is out of the way. I'm setting the over-under at 20. Over. Will Ryan Green get a carry? Yes, no. No. Uh, Number of wins this week for FSU. Unfortunately, I keep coming back to this one. The over-under is a half. Still going the over. Excellent. Number of throwback passes attempted by Boston College against FSU's defense. They're always good for those, so I'm setting it at one and a half. I think under, but I definitely think you'll see one. Okay. And a simple yes-no question. Will the radio crew have an adult beverage at the Bell in Hand, which is America's oldest tavern located in downtown Boston? Oh, my God. That's that's the easiest one of the day. Of course. Of course you will. We're trying to help your average, Tim. So We're doing what we can, brother. (laughs) We're doing our best. All right. So we'll put you down as a yes in all bold and font size 24 for that one. Sounds like a plan. Anything else for the good of the word, Tim? You sound a little down today. Did, I think no, you, no, I no. think you were fine when this segment started, and then Keith told you you got a freshman trying to pick up the blitz, and we just had this conversation. Now you feel worse, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You, you guys have uh, you guys are, are, are messing with my mojo. No, I you know I, look, I, I understand uh, the, there's, there's a lot of frustration and concerns, but I don't know. I kind of feel good about this game. College football is a weird sport, and, and sometimes things that that uh, run counter to, to what you've seen the last few weeks they happen. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not quite as down as everybody else is going into this week. That's what I like to hear. Tim, thanks as always. You got it, guys. He's our Seminoles.com insider on the Earl Bagot Agency hotline. I need to remind you, because we failed to do so in the first segment, that you know what definitely makes me feel better, KJ? It has something to do with Madison. Well, actually, same group, for the table group, but today they have $7 chicken parm sandwiches, and I think that's part of their lunch special certain days, too, but I, I might have to get one tonight. I'm just saying. That makes, me, that makes me feel better. Hey, by the way, did you see the uh, – I don't know if you saw any of the images. I know it was past your bedtime, so I know you didn't go. But the, I heard people talking about where I think you're going. The Friday night block party? It said it was just massive. Yes, yes, it's, and it is past your bedtime, but it's off the chain if you've seen I have not been down there either. Uh, it's pretty much about past my bedtime as well. But one of these one of these Friday nights, I will make it down there. We'll step aside, come back, and uh, continue with uh, – Conversation. Conversation. That's a good word on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. 
the big show continues. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Now we uh, talk some basketball as we go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. And Florida State Associate Head Basketball Coach Stan Jones is on the horn. This is a guy who uh, eats, drinks, sleeps basketball. It's in his blood. How are you, Stan? I'm doing well this morning, fellas. Thank you for having me. You bet. How's uh, practice going? You know, it's uh, it's been a very productive off season, and now into our preseason practices. Uh, you know, a lot of people are doing a lot of just kind of speculating about what kind of team we're going to have. But uh, I'm I'm very encouraged and very excited about the possibilities of this team. Uh, and they they put in a lot of really good work, and that's been my experience in all the years I've been coaching. When you put in a lot of good work, you get good dividends. Stan, you had an opportunity. I think the NCAA allows it like uh, once every four years to have a like a, a preseason trip, and you get to go practice a number of times and play. I've all forgive me for being stupid, but when you come back from that trip, can you go right into preseason, or do you have to take another break after that? Well, when you come back and start the fall semester, you're allowed to uh, go back to the original development rules they have, where you get two hours a week on the court with each player. Uh, and they can get six hours in the strength room and conditioning with the strength coach uh, up until the time for practice to start, which that's kind of a number out there that people get confused with in basketball because the uh, preseason practices where you actually get to start full team practices, they're allowed to start six weeks before your first regular season game is scheduled. And then in those six weeks, you get to have 30 practices within the 42 days. So, you know, it's a lot of – you got to put your calendar together and do a, little, do a little bit of math and try to put it all together so it's not just a cut-and-dry start date like it used to be. Plus coordinating with kids in classes and all the other things that go on with that. No doubt. But So the benefit of that trip, though, is uh, team bonding, and you do get extra team practices before you normally would. Correct. You're, when you get to go every, every four years, they let you go on a foreign trip uh, with your team. You get ten uh, practices before you go on the trip that on those days you can have unlimited amount of time with your players uh and then when you're on your trip you can practice as well as play the whatever number of scheduled games fit in your itinerary which we were able to play three games down uh, in jamaica one in montego bay and two in kingston and uh, it really gives you as a coaching staff a chance to kind of get ahead of where you need to start in preseason kind of get a feel for who has really brought their game up and how your new guys are are coming in so you have uh, better starting and reference points to what you want to start emphasizing uh, and also building into your playbook and building into your defensive package. Well, Stan, you lose three kids uh, uh, in, in, in from the last year's squad, uh, a couple of them draft picks, and, and one of them your floor leader. So obviously this team's going to be terrible in 2017-2018, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, a lot of the pundits out there, they, they really don't know. They're, they're intrigued by our recruiting class, which is ranked somewhere in the, between uh, – top eight or nine to around 15, you know, and the different people that uh, evaluate the recruiting classes. Um, and, you know, then, then they really don't know. I mean, we, we intentionally played a lot of players last year knowing that there was a possibility that we could have some attrition, uh, obviously with two guys graduating and the chance the other guys uh, could have the years that they did to put themselves in a chance to play professionally. And so we feel good that the guys we have returning have got playing time experience and they've been in the, in big games uh, and they've been in moments where they were expected to produce and uh, and, and not just sitting over there playing mop-up minutes so um, that's helped those guys confidence has helped their preparation and knowing what the that they're moving up to scout report this year and um, it's um, I think we got a chance to be sneaky good I think we got some guys here that uh, and you never know how good a player is going to be until they see how they produce and execute under pressure. Uh, but seeing them play three games down in Jamaica, even though it was an ACC competition, um, there's some guys ready to step up and, and move into those roles and into those shots and minutes that uh, uh, were evacuated by graduation and by the, the NBA draft. Stan, we had Terrence Mann on a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and two of the many things he talked about was, number one, that the bad taste that those that return still have from that uh, second-round game down in, in Orlando. Uh, and secondly, that even he is amazed by the perimeter shooting prowess, uh, either improvement from existing players or some of the new kids have come in, their ability from outside. Uh, how about commenting on both of those points? Well, you know, I think there's also a, a, a flip side to that coin that Terrence is talking about. Uh, even though there's a bad taste about getting beat by Xavier in the second round, there's also a good taste in your mouth of 
playing in the NCAA tournament. People don't realize how hard that is in basketball to get there and what a wonderful experience it is for a, a player and a team to be in that tournament. Because you, know, you got 351 teams, only 68 people, 68 teams get to participate in it. I mean, you've got to really work your backside off to, to be one of those teams that get selected to, to be in that field. And so there's a, there's a good taste, which our guys know what it's like to get there, and they know what it's like to work hard enough to get their name called on Sunday. So uh, there's, a, there, there's a double motivation with that with this returning team. And the second thing, he's right. We've had some guys that have really allowed themselves, you know, like Al Thornton did early on in Coach Hamilton's tenure here, to to really develop their shooting mechanics, to clean up some uh, uh, some technical things in there to make their their shooting, and they put the work in to to become uh, significantly better shooters. And then we we really targeted in our recruiting class. We wanted to really upgrade that uh, on our roster and uh, and the four guys that can play on the perimeter that. Uh, that are coming in, uh, Anthony Polite, Wyatt Wilkes, um, Raekwon Gray, um, and... Uh, MJ. MJ. And, and, excuse me, MJ Walker. Who's you can't leave MJ of, out. <laughs> he's kind of the linchpin of that class. Those guys are all terrific uh, range shooters. Uh, and another guy that's really used his red shirt well, like, like Al Thornton did back uh, in, in the early parts of uh, Coach Hamilton's tenure, is that Fiondu Cabangeli has... Uh, um, has really, really used his red shirt well. And I think people are going to be very, very pleased when they see the energy and the versatility that he has and his ability to play, playing both facing the basket and with his back to the basket and on the glass. And uh, uh, he actually, I think, in our inter-squad scrimmage we had last week with uh, some ACC referees here, I think he hit he hit four threes, I think, uh, in that scrimmage. So I think we're going to be a better three-point shooting team consistently. Uh, we are going to be a terrific unselfish passing team and i actually think we have a chance to be a uh, significantly better and we were not bad last year i think we got a chance to be a, a very good defensive team this year and, and be very very good uh, uh pressuring the basketball at 94 feet stan we'd be remiss if, if we didn't at least touch on it and i know we don't have a lot of time i'm not asking for a, a treat seat but you know with, with what's happened with the fbi investigation out of new york into the uh, aau stuff uh has there been any immediate you don't have a crystal ball we don't know what's going to happen a year two three down the road but has there been any immediate fallout from that you know any any aau events canceled changed modified uh, i know you and i've talked about how recruiting has changed over the last decade or so from the high school base to the aau based uh, are you seeing anything short term that you've had to address well, no, and nothing's come out concrete yet. But I think everybody's trying to do their due diligence and make sure that nobody just does rash reactions to the situation uh, without, uh, you know, giving some study and research to what's going on. I, but I, I don't have any doubt, Keith, that there's going to be uh, some changes, some significant and probably some radical changes in the recruiting model. Um, uh, and I, you know, I think people are waiting to see what, what are the shoe companies going to try to pull out some of their support and do things elsewhere or uh, and what's the NCA going to do and what, the, what, what more is going to come out of the FBI uh, investigations uh, before anybody really comes down and says, this is what the changes are going to be. But I, I think there are going to be things coming and at least it's going to be, we're going to do this at least for a year and give ourselves more time to study the, the, uh, the factors and see if we can come up with something that's, that's better and, and less likely to be a problem. Sure. On a uh, on a lighter note than that, I happen to look, and I know Leonard uh, and I guess Terrence and Brian are at uh, Operation Basketball today. Conveniently, the NBA scheduled the Nuggets at the Hornets tonight. I think so. Uh, <laughs> that, I, uh, might might some Florida State uh, contingency be uh, watching Malik Beasley and Dwayne Bacon go at it? No, they're coming back after the uh, ACC Media Day. We actually you know, we we play our first exhibition game tomorrow night against the University of Central Missouri. And uh, so those guys are going to be getting back for uh, just a little walkthrough preparation and uh, and some little stuff to, to make ourselves ready, you know, start getting that practice and getting ready for a game. I, I would probably be more worried about uh, if those guys came by the hotel and were trying to hang out with with, uh, with uh, uh, Terrence and Brian last night because uh, obviously Dwayne lives there and, and, and I'm, I'm sure Malik's team came in the night before the game, so – I'm, I'm sure there was a little bit of Seminole bonding last night between the fellows up there. So uh, <laughs> well, I hope that goes well. So, you know, one thing I'd like to throw about our exhibition game tomorrow night, you know, a lot of people may not know, but one of the reasons we're playing Central Missouri, but a guy that really was a big part of us 
establishing a competitive culture here and getting us jump started. Uh, Nate Johnson, who was our point guard our first two years here at Florida State, uh, is a top assistant for Central Missouri and doing a fantastic job. They won a national championship back in 2014. So uh, we're bringing Nate back to, to be back in Tallahassee for uh, the evening and to, to let his his players see where he played at and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully a lot of our, our fans will come out and, uh, and give Nate a, Nate a right, uh, nice round of applause and help get our guys off to a uh, to a good jump start this season. You know, we got the fifth longest home winning streak going in the country right now. We need to start building the – Building that kind of toughness into our, our uh, into we, our arena right off the bat. You know, you bring up a couple good points there. First of all, last year's home season was tremendous with with very the schedule so. and very the winds so. and the atmosphere. And I've long argued, you know, it's sort of a chicken and an egg thing. If you had that atmosphere every game, you'd win more games at home. And last year, <laughs> you had it, and hopefully that would that'll continue. But uh, Nate Johnson just passed a Tim Pickett again, and Pickett just pulled up for three. Are, are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that worked out pretty well. It was a pretty good combination. Those two guys are, are really uh, a big part of our getting the program going here at Florida State, and uh, they'll always be a very fond spot in our heart for those guys. So, ex- exhibitions tomorrow night, Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the Tucker Center, correct? Yes, sir. I got one last thing because I saw this on social media, Stan. Jonathan Isaac said he was so nervous for his first NBA game that he forgot to put his jersey on, and the team equipment guy had to run and get it in the second quarter before he went in. Have you talked to him about this? <laughs> I texted with him a little bit, and, uh, and also I, I, uh, they, they had a little video. The equipment guy actually videoed it. Uh, one of the veteran players, Bismack Biambu, uh, actually uh, tipped him up to it, and Jonathan got in a little bit of a panic. It's a pretty funny video if you see it uh, out there on Twitter. Uh, but that's that's classic Jonathan. I mean, Jonathan is such a wonderful youngster, and uh, he cares so much about being ready to play that uh, we had a couple of those things uh, last year that uh, went unnoticed to the public because uh, you know we always try to protect our guys. But Jonathan really gets excited about playing, and I'm happy to see him off to a good start in his NBA career. <laughs> it was. I just thought it was funny. Goes. I mean, it's a big deal. We take it for granted. We see him and say that guy's going to play in the NBA. Still a big deal when he gets there, and it's his first game night. Congratulations to you, though. I know you've you've had several guys in the league uh, over the years from your time at your Miami and your time at Florida State, so I know it's fun for you to watch them, and uh, best of luck this year. Thanks so much, guys, and uh, let's go Knowles. Let's make this thing happen this year. All right, sounds good. Stan Jones, associate head coach, uh, longtime assistant uh, for Leonard. Keith, you're smiling. You'll be spending a lot of time with Stan here as basketball season approaches. I, I, and I enjoy it. Stan is one of the uh, quality, quality guys. You ask him a question – and he will give you an answer. Now, if it's uh, an issue that he doesn't want to talk about, it would be a very short answer. Uh, if, but if it's an issue that he has passion about and has insight into, he will converse with it. And uh, he and uh, Coach Hamilton, in my estimation, do a great job along with uh, C.J. and Dennis. And uh, and uh, I'm excited about the basketball season. Kicks off with that, as he mentioned, that uh, first exhibition game Thursday night, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at the Tucker Center. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. You can call them at 580-1200. Visit them online at ctf.nu. If you're going to pay them a visit, there's two locations, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. I said CJ. I meant CY, Coach CY. So I'm not even in basketball form at all. No comment. I'll just comment to say we'll return right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We welcome you back, Tom and KJ, with you a little bit longer to uh, go on Front Row Knowles. Good to talk to uh, Stan Jones. Basketball season always gets overshadowed by football season in these parts. This year, perhaps an exception, since football has not gone according to script. But uh, I am cautiously optimistic while yet excited about I always enjoy basketball season. And 
the reality is the ACC is is a tough league, but they have they have a lot of good parts and pieces. Obviously, Florida State lost its top three guns from last year, and so that's where the question is. You don't know how are the key shots and minutes going to be distributed among a lot of guys who can play some ball. Well, I think the obvious answer is instead of three guys doing it last year, you're going to have five or six guys doing what the three guys did last year. Uh, I think that that's a, a given because you just don't have that quality of uh, of a talent uh, with any experience. But uh, you know, you you mentioned and, and Stan was mentioned him last, but MJ. I think brings a lot to the table. Um, there, there's been a lot of improvement with with the Terrence Mans and the Angelo Rios, Rios and, and and CJ and and even Savoy. You know, you and I were talking during the break. Uh, you know, you bring him in for a couple of minutes and having him throw up three threes. That, that might not be the best way to use him. Bring him in for five or six minutes and let him get his feel, and then throw up four threes might be a better way to play him. You can now do that because you're going to have to rotate more people in and out at least early on. I'm excited. You know, Florida State. You know, if you want to, if you want to boil it down, they finished second in the ACC and had a number three seed into the NCAA. This after having gone however many years it was without even making the tournament, and and while they were very, very, very disappointed in losing to Xavier down in Orlando in that second round, and I think that's what Terrence was talking about. I think Stan's also correct that this core group that's coming back now knows what it feels like to get to the dance, and and that's a positive thing that can be motivated. Well, as to well. put it in football terms, people sort of scoffed at Jimbo back in 2012 when this that was EJ's last year when Florida State won an ACC championship and then won an Orange Bowl over Northern Illinois and most of the talk was about oh the the game that was blown against NC State or losing to the Gators but Jimbo harped on the fact that it was it was key to win a championship because those guys hadn't won a championship didn't know so, what it felt like didn't know what it felt like didn't know I didn't know what it took that sort of thing so that's the same point you're making about these guys that made an NCAA tournament appearance last year have you looked at the schedule by the way Keith I know it's it's uh, remember the per, mur- per, pretty pretty light from the non-conference but then the conference schedule which begins i think december 30th that, or something that's what i'm that's what i'm getting at. oh my gosh you got uh, duke carolina and somebody else in the first three so let's just look at this and i'm sure that they put it into a computer and it spits out the games this way but conspiracy theorists would believe that they that john swafford goes up and with his bare hand inserts the teams of who florida state's going to play so december 30th at duke that's conference game number one january 3rd at home against carolina next game is miami who's very highly thought of this year then louisville that's here then by the way is in turmoil right now then syracuse then boston college hello chestnut hill we like to see and that's where that game is so then it, it, it but it's it's basically just like they started last year like uh and that was part of what created the energy last year is that people looked at the schedule and said they're going to be lucky to be one and four well, they played, and they came out of it like it four six, and one six consecutive games yeah. against top they 20 did. ranked opponents and they won five of them or was it four I think they went five I think and one they went five and of course Stan has also talked about the consecutive home winning streak which was run up to 16 17 18 games whatever it currently sits at fifth longest in the country and and you're going to really like based on everything I'm hearing quietly about these new kids. Uh, they they have uh, an infectious nature about them. Uh, I've heard I've heard we haven't seen that uh, they have embraced uh, Boom Squad two. Remember they had uh, five right. the five new kids that would come in for the five starters. Obviously, it will be different personnel in that group, but that concept of bringing in five for five a, a line change in hockey, I think they call it. Aren't you impressed? I would know that uh is going to come back and it's just a fun bunch to to be around and watch the the hockey conversation the extent of our knowledge on hockey it could fill a sentence in this show it's soccer on ice the uh three takeaways at the end there stan said uh he expects his team to be a great passing team a better shooting team and a better defensive team and the last one now that's where leonard hung his hat but what he said is all 94 feet which makes me wonder if if, if they've got that many uh athletic perimeter might, types might press a little might bit. they press a little bit more because that would be interesting to see uh if they do anyway basketball season coming up that they uh open they got the exhibition tomorrow they got another exhibition on november 7th and they open a week later against george washington at home before going to jamaica a trip that you will not be making nor will i be making because florida state has the big matchup with delaware state for homecoming that weekend very important and then the next week they've got a game on uh, friday night 
I think one on Tuesday and again on Friday night around before, Thanksgiving. Before the, fr- the Friday night after Thanksgiving, but before the Florida game, which means we won't be traveling with the team. I guess we'll be driving down on Saturday morning our normal uh, hitchhiking type of way. And if it's another 12 noon game, we'll have to leave earlier than anticipated. Very early. We'll come back and wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Usually that music means that we've got a mere 90 seconds of witty banner remaining in the show. But in the case of today, our timing is way off. So, folks, you might as well (laughs) sit back. Sit back because we've still got a few minutes to go. All right. uh, We'll we'll bounce back to football here after we uh, talk to uh, basketball with uh, ACC Operation Basketball going on. The uh, order of finish will be released uh, tomorrow in terms of where the predictions the predictions of uh, where everybody's expected to finish so we appreciate tim linefelt and stan jones joining us but uh going back to football a few things to to clean up here uh regarding what we talked about last week which is florida state should they go after the wins that were stripped from the academic issues uh bowl likelihood for florida state and or the likelihood we're going to play this louisiana monroe game and then also uh after the game when florida state lost in in heart you know sort of rip your heart out break fashion heartbreak gut-wrenching whatever you want to term it jimbo had his uh you know his words the altercation is that what we're calling it it depends on whether you're creating a headline for the internet or not but um anyway we haven't we haven't talked about it go ahead for those of aren't aware uh, as as coach fisher was leaving the field a a fan shouted down something him relative to uh needed to change coaches and uh coach fisher challenged him said why don't you come down here and discuss that face to face uh that's the pg-13 version of it uh, afterwards, Saturday at, in his post-game press conference, Jimbo kind of alluded to the fact that maybe he shouldn't have done that. But on Monday, he, he Tommy, and you know this, was very defiant. He, he, he did not have any regret for what he had done. Uh, and I want to go on record, if anybody cares, that Jimbo's wrong. He should never have gotten into that altercation. Now, I like what Jimbo said about why he did it. And I applaud him for that part, but it should have never have happened. If a player had done that, we would have a, a whole different story and a whole different outcome as we were talking today. The one thing I will tell you that I've learned about human nature, however, is we typically only react to those things that we've been thinking about. What the fan was discussing was changing of the coaching staff. By Jimbo reacting to that, that tells me he has been giving some thought to it not suggesting anything should happen during the season, not suggesting that anything monumental should happen at the end of the season. But I'd remind our listeners of three things. Number one, next January you get a 10th coach. So there will be some change to the FSU coaching staff one way, shape, form, or fashion. Number two, it's totally acceptable to change duties. Coach Bowden did that a couple of different times. Uh, Henshaw went from the defensive side to the offensive side. Billy Sexton went from uh, quarterback coach to running back coach. You know, you can you can mix up some duties. And thirdly, the time to do that is at the end of the year, not during the season. But by Coach Fisher's reaction, he has been thinking about it, right, wrong, or indifferent, fourth, and, and as well he should. A fourth component is that there's an early signing period this year in December, and it 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 uh, i i hate this and i hope it doesn't play out this way for florida state because i get on other schools when they do it but it's disingenuous when you let a coach go the day after a kid signs so i i bring that up and i don't know the date on hand but you're gonna have some kids who are coming to florida state because they like coach a who recruited them and if you let the kid sign and then a day later coach a is no longer in the staff it's disingenuous yeah. so uh, coach, uh, coach, <laughs> President Thrasher has had discussions. We've we've now learned publicly with A.D. Wilcox about formally investigating if FSU should and would appeal those vacated losses. And you and I, or at least I, don't want to comment for you, but I'm hearing talk 
about uh, discussions about what the mechanics would be if they wanted to reschedule that ULM game uh, for the 3rd of December, I believe it is, which is the ACC championship game, well, on the- if it's needed, if it's needed. Which it's looking like it might it be. It might be. Uh, and the thing about that is at some point you're going to have to decide to play that game. You can't wait until a week before and say, hey, we're a game that's short. The, that's so, the point. Yeah, at some point you got to do that. Uh, my, on, as far as the game goes, I think Stan is inclined, and I haven't, I haven't read the contract, to, to try and play it to honor the contract, which basically said some of the effect of if the game can reasonably be rescheduled, we'll play the game. Well, there's a million Louis- dollars hanging out there. Well, that's for Louisiana exactly. Monroe. Uh, Louisiana Monroe is also on the schedule in two years, so th- there's need for a working relationship there, I would think, between the two. Uh, to, your, to your other point about getting the NCAA wins back, yeah, they, that was commented on this past week. I don't. What we talked about last week is it would be unprecedented. There's not really a you know they've already lost their appeal. What Stan uh, has mentioned, uh, I think, in the booster board meeting or subsequently, is that there's also a statute of limitations at play. So you got a couple things. And he thought about that. You got a couple of things working against Florida State there. But I, I am glad that they're at least opening the door again. Like we said last week, two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, so I'm not looking you know at the, three lefts do, right? I, that's an excellent point. Well, and it may take three lefts to find a way to get the wins back for Florida state. Uh, I just think g- given, uh, the unequitable resolutions to two cases that uh, really weren't that similar to begin with. And the one that was lesser got a much more significant penalty than the one that was more significant. They got no penalty. So do we learn something in a couple of nights in Chestnut Hill? We learned that I'm probably still cold when the temperature drops below 50. <laughs> I mean, I, every two years, I pretty much check that box. Well, that, that, that's the life of the sideline reporter. All right. Uh, I, what did you think we were going to learn? I think we might learn that this team's got some resiliency to it. I, I think this team is uh, a little bit angry. The truly back against the wall, I think they saw their uh, head coach express that displeasure. I think they've uh, read and hear what folks are saying in terms of uh, you know the, how, how far they've fallen. Uh, I think they come out with some resolve, and uh, we might, we might, we might, just might see a performance that we've been looking weeks for. You heard it here first, folks. Keith likes the Knolls forty-five to seven Friday night in Chestnut Hill. Didn't go that far, but man, that would be a nice Friday night present, wouldn't it? We will talk to you again uh, Sunday with our. Uh, Sunday edition, Seminole Sunday edition. That's at 9 and 7 in the next week right here. Have a great week, everybody.